Raiden, what's your status? Colonel, I've got Emma Emmerich here. We've managed to avoid drowning. Good job. Welcome to the long and short of it, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on Metacritic's top 100 list. My name's Dan, and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. So today, we're going to be talking about quite a big game on the list, which is Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty. Now, Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty is number 42 on the list, and it's got a Metacritic score of 96. Um, You'll be surprised to know, maybe, that this is the highest rated Metal Gear Solid game. Um, Behind this is Metal Gear Solid 5, then there's number 1, then there's number 3, which is right at the end of the list. Uh, You've got Metal Gear Solid 4, which has got a score of 94. Do you want to just give us an idea of what your history with Metal Gear Solid is. Yeah, so the first time I remember playing Metal Gear Solid, it was when I was quite young. Um, My dad said to me that he had a demo disc back at his flat. So I had a go on it, and it was for the original Metal Gear Solid, which um, came out in 98, I think. And it was just the first section of the game. And I replayed that quite a lot when I was younger, and then played the first game when I um when I had a PlayStation and I waited quite a long time for MGS2 to come out and then to finally get a PS2 to play it on. Right. So when I finally played MGS2, it had already been out for a few years, I think. But I replayed MGS2 a lot. <laughs> like um to, to the point where I probably ended up, you know, running my disc dead or something like i played ground. it that yeah, yeah yeah i played it that much um, but um as, so go on. Do, do you um do you remember how you're feeling leading up to the release of metal gear Solid 2 were you keeping an eye on it or mm, 2001 it came out didn't it so yeah i would have been about nine so not so much i think i was a bit young to be following gaming stuff back then i know that you uh, when you were younger, you followed gaming a lot more and you were very into it, whereas I kind of dipped in and out here and there. But I remember seeing stuff in PlayStation Magazine, uh, looking at stuff on the internet, watching trailers, that kind of stuff, and being excited for it because of how much I loved the first one. What about you? Um, So I was 12 years old and I had a Nintendo 64 and my parents were getting us a GameCube for Christmas and uh, I remember we had a magazine. It was Games Master magazine. I remember that. And it had a DVD, which was what games console. And basically it was 10 trailers for the Xbox, 10 trailers for the PS2, 10 trailers for the GameCube. So what I did was sat there and looked through all the trailers. And I remember that one of the trailers was Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, and it really intrigued me at the time um because their trailers were just brilliant uh and that was my first introduction to it but it was a long time before i actually got a ps2 and then got the game i remember when i first got metal gear solid 2 i got to the part where you're diffusing the bombs yeah and i gave up very quickly i just thought this is really slow um but then a couple of years later I played Metal Gear Solid 3 and again I couldn't really get into it. I played like the first hour 
I was really put off by the 45 minute cutscene at the beginning. Yeah, um, yeah it was long. And then a couple of a couple of couple of maybe maybe a year later than that, uh, I actually finally sat down and played through Metal Gear Solid Three, and I loved it. Uh, and then I went back and played all the other Metal Gear Solids. I played number two, uh, and really enjoyed that too. So um, it's a bit of a spotty history with Metal Gear Solid for me. Um, I mean, this game was huge before it came out. Um, they were they were doing some really big things. And everyone was really keen. It was really one of the big games to sell the PS2 after GTA 3. Um, so, you've just replayed it. What did you think of it? Well, in our Halo episode, when we kind of gave an idea for what we'd be doing for the next step, we said it would be MGS2. And I said that it was my least favourite game out of the series. Although it's my favourite gaming series of all time, it's my least favourite on the list, bar maybe MGS5. Because uh, I know that we've both got relatively negative things to say about that game. Um, yeah, MGS Two. I I don't know. I played it a lot when I was younger, to the point where I think I played it too much. And there's a lot of stuff I don't like about it. I think it's just uh, it, it's hard to explain because the first Metal Gear Solid game is very linear. But I feel yeah. that there was a lot of freedom in it, whereas MGS2, I like linear, but I feel that MGS2 was a lot more linear than it needed to be. The tanker section, because the game split into two parts, um, the tanker section I really enjoyed because you're playing as everyone's favourite Metal Gear Solid guy, Solid Snake, and it's all very familiar and great and you know it's enjoyable. But then you move on to the second section, and you play as the new guy, you play as Raiden, which I imagine we'll talk about in a bit more detail soon. But yeah, it's this, the structure of the second section, which is called the big plant, uh, not the big plant, the big shell, which is a, uh, a, a plant in the, <laughs> is it in the, no, it's in the Hudson River, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's, it's out off the coast of New York, isn't it? Yes. So... It's so a lot more. Before we go, on. go any further, yeah. why don't you just explain to our listeners um, what you mean by the tanker? What is the tanker and what is the big shell? So, all right, how about I explain the first section and you explain the second yep. section? Cool. So, the first section takes place, um, I think it's two years after the first game. I think, is it two years or four years? Uh, it's maybe Maybe two or four. It's one of the two. It takes place some years after the first game. <laughs> um, and the main character, Solid Snake, along with his uh, partner called Hal Emmerich, Otacon, they've created a anti-Metal Gear group called Philanthropy. Metal Gears are huge uh, bipedal tanks that have the ability to launch nuclear missiles. They receive a tip-off that there is a Metal Gear being transferred down the river on a boat, which is kept by the Marines. So Snake infiltrates this massive oil tanker to get evidence, basically, that this Metal Gear exists, that it's owned by the Marines, and that everything's a little bit dodgy. However, when he lands on the tanker, he jumps off a um, he jumps off the Hudson River Bridge lands on the tanker and then immediately some Russian troops land as well and take over the boat by force, killing quite a lot of Marines. And from here, Snake sneaks through 
or guns his way through dependent on your playstyle and takes the photos of Metal Gear it's then found that the leader of the um, the Russians who've boarded the ship um, headed by a chap called Sergei Galukovich is being betrayed by one of the main uh, antagonists not protagonists, antagonist of MGS1 called Revolver Ocelot who when when you explain this game, it sounds ridiculous. Like yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's so ridiculous. So in the first game, the antagonist Revolver Ocelot has his hand sliced off by a cyborg ninja. Again, this is sounding absolutely ridiculous. Um, and following the game's finish, he gets a hand transfusion, which I don't think is a thing. <laughs> and the personality of the person whose hand he's had grafted onto his arm is still living through that so <laughs> ocelot um he betrays galukovic steals metal gear his hand kind of takes over his body and it's found that the hand he's had grafted onto his arm is that of liquid snake who is the identical twin brother of solid snake who was killed <laughs> in a previous game ocelot takes metal gear sinks the tanker um, it's entirely blamed on Snake. He's considered a criminal, and it's believed that he dies, and that is the end of the tanker section. If you're still awake, I'll be very impressed. <laughs> if you're able to follow that, I applaud you. Because... It's so convoluted. Yeah. Um, so the Big Shell, also known as the plant... It gets even more complicated is... from here. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just going to skim over it because... Yeah. <laughs> It gets even more complicated and the story's longer in this bit. Um, It's basically, it was supposed to be an oil treatment facility, um, but actually it was uh, a guise for the new Metal Gear Solid, which is Arsenal Gear. Um, And the structure of it is that there are six struts uh, on one part of the shell and six struts on the second part. And there is a central core for each of them. Um, so you said about linearity. It It is linear. You can basically choose to go one way around the six, six struts or the other way around the six struts. And that's really the extent of your freedom here. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a linear game. Um, this kind of gets me on to the pace of the game. Now, how long did you say it took you to complete um, this time? So your time and my time differed because I didn't watch the cutscenes this time because I know the story like the back of my hand. So for me, it took me about four and a half hours to play through the plant section and it took me about an hour and a half to play through the tanker, but I played through the tanker on a different console. What was your overall time? Um, so it was about 11 hours, including both the tanker and the big shell, which really surprised me. I'd just forgotten how short this was. And when you consider that 60 to 70% of that time is cut, cut scenes, scenes or codec, codec scenes. So codec is, um, kind of, a, like a an alternative call. to cut scenes. Yeah. It's like a phone call, um, where you're talking to someone else, you can see their faces moving. It's like a video call, really, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think they they were massively put in for MGS1 to save on um, space on the discs. Um, yeah. To also get as much story over as possible. And they just, they've always kept them in the game up until like uh, MGS4 and 5. 
So yeah, so I think the balance with this game, they got they got the balance between cutscenes, codec, and gameplay wrong. Um, there's too much codec and too many cutscenes. So I think the reason they used so much codec was because they just didn't want to animate all those cutscenes. Imagine all this dialogue in cutscene form; it would just be horrendous. Yeah, um, it, would be, it would be so. I mean, it, it's it's long-winded anyway, but that would make it so much more. But it, it links with um, the series director, Hideo Kojima. He has always said that his body or his blood is 70% movies, and it shows with the MGS games, particularly with MGS2 and MGS4, how much he... I think I think he'd love to be a film director. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm not sure how good a film director he'd be. I do think his style lends itself to games, mm. um, where historically you've got a bit of wackiness in gaming form, uh, so you can get away with it a bit more than in films. Uh, and as you went into, this this gets really a bit crazy at times, and it's hard to keep up with. I mean, there's there's a bit where they talk about I don't know if you can explain this to me, but they talk about blowing up the tanker and then they say that they then put another tanker there and sank it straight afterwards. And I never, ever understood why. Oh, like, no no idea. There's so much about this game. Like, like, like we both said, we've both played this game a lot. And in prepping for this podcast, obviously we've both played through it again. I've watched quite a few... Um, deep dive videos on the story and there's still so much of it that just goes over my head and yeah. I've been playing this game since probably about 2004 I've, I've been playing this game for about 16 years and there's just so much of it that I still don't get or think well where's the explanation for that or where's the explanation for that you know um, there's a bit so um one thing I do think this game does well is that it, it handles a lot of kind of realistic, um, actually really contemporary themes. Um, but sometimes it doesn't handle them very well. So there's a bit I mentioned to you when I was talking to you about the game. There's a bit where suddenly it transpires that Raiden um, has on one occasion uh, hit Rose, yes. who's his partner. And it's never ever mentioned again. It's just mentioned in this brief codec message. And I thought it's a bit of a heavy thing to drop in the middle of a codec message and never to follow up on again. The the themes in this game are so out there. Like MGS1, I think its main theme is it's about genetics, isn't it? And not being defined by your um by your genes. By your genetic codes you know you can choose your own way to go whereas mgs2 has so many different things going into it it kind of loses its identity a little bit i'd, I'd say the main theme of mgs2 is the digital age and yeah data and the the government's media companies holding loads and loads of information on you which to be fair in 2001 was a pretty out there thing to put across seeing as we're now living in 2020 and that is exactly what media company you know you've got media companies buying your data 
um, it's very difficult 100%, to yeah. not have a digital footprint. And MGS2 brings that up. You know, I'd say that's been the case since maybe 2013, 2014. So, you know, almost 15 years before that became prevalent, MGS2 was talking about it, which I think is quite impressive. Yeah, it was definitely ahead of its time. And the stuff that it talks about wasn't so relevant then. And now it's really relevant. So actually playing it this time, it really struck me how forward thinking the story can be at times. And I was I was talking to my girlfriend about this. Um, she'd never seen a Metal Gear Solid game before. Really? And uh, she said um, that some of the story stuff was really good and some of it was just lost on her. So it's either she... really well done. Did, 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 yeah. did, did she play through... Or did she watch you play through the whole thing? So was she there for the whole story? No, it was just it was just uh, snapshots of it. Um, I think the bits that she was most impressed by were um, the bits between Rose and Raiden via codec, because there's some really in- interesting stuff that goes on in those phone calls. But there's also some really dull stuff that goes on in yeah, those conversations. Yeah. Like Definitely. always trying to remember what um, is it? April the thirtieth. April 30th. April 30th, what the the relevance of that date is. Um, and the reason, uh, we, we just said that Rose is Raiden's partner. The reason she has so much airtime is she's part of the supporting squad for Raiden on this mission. So she keeps calling him saying, Jack, do you remember what day April 30th is? And he's like, no. This I, again. This again. And it's... Like this guy is supposedly going into a plant where people could kill him, and she's like, "So, so do you remember? Do you remember our anniversary? Do you, do you remember the day we met?" And it's like, "Yeah, mate, stop it, leave him alone." And I think a lot of the conversations, particularly between Ryden slash Jack and Rose, are very forced. Not all of them, and particularly at the end, I think there's a good arc. And I imagine that we'll discuss them a bit more. Actually, no, we're not reviewing MGS4 on this list, are we? No, I mean, I'm going to play it again probably before I play 5. Yes. Because I think a lot of the gameplay advances that people rave about in 5 were actually started in 4. Maybe it doesn't give you as much time to experiment with them in 4. But, I mean, I love the first couple of chapters where you can just basically do what you want in 4. Um, I really like 4. I think it's probably my third favourite. I know you're not as big a fan. Not really. Uh, but I think it does some stuff really well. well, the th- um, well and I hate 5. <laughs> well, the, th- the thing that I was going to reference is that the end of MGS2, it gives you a bit of a feeling that everything's going to be okay for Jack and Rose and they're going to get a happy ending. And then you play 4 and they just they just haven't for some reason. You know, you've you've got Raiden who turns up. Is it chapter two? Yeah, it's chapter two, isn't it? That Raiden turns up at the end of, and he's basically a cyborg ninja by this point, which is ridiculous. And again, sounds outlandish. And at the end of the game, they get reunited again, and their kids there. But it just seems for me, even though he's my least favorite character through the entire series. Raiden never really gets a happy ending, even though I feel that he kind of deserves one. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are no happy endings for many of these characters. I think um, Raiden's become a bit of a fan favourite because 
there was Platinum Games, Revengeance. Metal Gear Rising, Revengeance, yeah. and a lot of people love that game. It's so right. I think Raiden's become a bit of a fan favourite um, over the years. But yeah, definitely at the time he was not. Uh, so what? So what? Um, what Konami and Hideo Kojima did was uh, before release they made sneaky you think sneaks that you were going to be playing a snake. Which is what everyone uh, then, wanted. Yeah, everyone wants to play a snake again. And then for the tanker, you are playing a snake. And then what they do is they trick you into thinking you're playing a snake. Not very well uh, at the beginning of the big show. And then it's revealed that you're playing as Raiden, whose real name is Jack. Um, yeah, but you can kind of work out that it's not Snake because, number one, Voice. he sounds nothing like him. Quentin number Flynn two, there's sound like David Hayter. <laughs> Exactly. Voice Number two, he's got this wisp of Hulk Hogan-like Blonde white hair, hair coming out of his... Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's just... They're not fooling anyone, but no. I think at the time, this caused big waves yeah. amongst the Metal Gear Solid community. You, you can't... Like, we can't begin to stress. For anyone that isn't a fan of this, it might sound like it wasn't a big deal at the time, but I can't begin to stress how well the secret was kept by konami because all of the trailers all of the photos that were released pre-release all of the reviews everything was moving towards um giving the impression that snake was the main playable character for the whole game and then all of a sudden they just switch it on you when you've been playing for two three hours that actually no for the rest of the game you're going to be playing as this absolute rookie with a very feminine voice who you know is the polar opposite to snake i mean i've watched a few videos like i said before reviewing this and there's a few reviews that kind of put the difference quite quite well in that you know with snake in mgs1 he's a very gruff rugged you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like veteran, like he he knows his stuff and he's the the definition of like an action hero. And then you know he's got his support team in MGS One, Naomi, Mei Ling, kind of melting uh, at his fingertips. And then you've got Raiden that comes in, who is a complete rookie who has been trained through um, virtual reality training, who's never been on an actual sneaking mission before, and compared to Snake, who had women kind of melting over him in MGS1 you've got Raiden who is struggling to even keep the relationship he has got with Rose afloat you know they're so different and I, th I think it's one of the big reasons that I don't like MGS2 is that I just don't like Raiden he just oh he just irritates me see I don't I don't dislike Raiden um I, I think he's good as an alternative character to Snake and I know what they were doing. They were trying to uh, give you a third-person view of Snake. What's it like to see Snake in the world rather than be Snake? Um, and then there's the other thing, like when uh, you are interacting with Snake within the game, Snake's got a massively bigger health bar than you and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but the trick that they pulled with the trailers, I mean, so initially they only showed the tanker level, which is obviously Snake's level anyway. Um, but then what they did was they implanted Snake into the Big Shell level for other trailers to really trick you. So it really was a huge blindside by the uh, 
by the developers here, which uh, a lot of people weren't happy about. And I mean, the, the reception to Raiden is mixed, and it even goes forward into MGS3, which we'll cover at some points. I know that's your favourite game of the series, it's also mine, um, which is set in the 1960s compared to MGS2, which the Big Shell set in 2009. There's a character in MGS3 called um, Rykov who looks identical to Raiden, and you've basically got to beat him up and stuff him in a locker. And I think it was a bit of a... Um, a bit of a... It was added in for a bit of a release for... Um, for the people that didn't like MGS2 to kind of beat up Raiden because they didn't like him or whatever. Um, yeah. It, it's definitely split fans down the middle. And I think most people that I speak to about MGS2, they really, really like it. And I always feel that I'm in the minority with not being a big fan of it. And I don't really get what people like about it so much because I think it's a lot more linear the gameplay obviously has come on leaps and bounds since MGS1 because it's a different console generation and the amount of money that was put into it is massive. But I just, com- compared to the other games in the series, I just don't think MGS2 holds up against many of them. Like the game that came out immediately after MGS3, I think is a billion times better than MGS2. And I think Kojima took a massive risk with number two. And it paid off because, you know, it was a massive successful hit and it's in this list. So therefore, there are elements to it that must be excellent because it wouldn't be in this list if it wasn't. And it's the highest Metal Gear Solid in this list. Well, when you said that, yeah, when you said that at the start of the um, the episode, I didn't know that. And when you say that this is, what number did you say this is? This is 42, which is the highest placing Metal Gear Solid. So you've got 42 MGS2. And then you say that MGS3 is the bottom one on this list. Uh, MGS3 is number 100, and that is subsistence. And if a game comes along this year, it could potentially knock Metal Gear Solid 3 out of that list. Yeah, well, I think there are going to be shifts to this lift lift list this year. and that will be the first one to go. That's crazy. Um, But you, you say subsistence there, so we can discuss substance as well um yeah the, the version that i think we've both played here is the hd remake right yes. yes so i played on the xbox one x which was basically um emulating the 360 hd remaster yeah i also did that for a majority of the playthrough i started i did the tanker section of the game on the ps4 um i streamed the game um, but then my playstation now ran out after my seven-day free trial, so I finished it on the Xbox. Um, but in this game came out in 2001, and a few years later, a year after, they released something called Metal Gear Solid 2 Substance, which added loads of new gameplay features to it. So when MGS1 came out, you had Metal Gear Solid 1, and then there was a separate release called Metal Gear Solid VR Missions, which is basically like shooting galleries, sneaking challenges, stuff to get high scores on. With Substance, it was similar. Did you play any of the Substance bits when kind of replaying this I have game? done in the past. So yeah. I think what happened was, as we said, Metal Gear Solid 2 came out in late 2001 and they were really crunching to get this game out. Mm. So a lot of the extra features they did not have time to put in. So they released Substance with all that extra stuff. So you had um, Tuxedo Snake for the first time (laughs) and things like that. 
And I love Tuxedo Snake. It's the best snake. Tuxedo Snake's <laughs> cool. It's, it's very Bondy, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's why I love it. Yeah, I thought so. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, I remember doing the... They had the skateboarding in there as well. Weird. Um, which isn't in which the was. HD remake. No, they took it out. Do you know what? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe because it doesn't hold up very well. No, as it's a lot bad. of the gameplay here. The gameplay itself... I, so you said you, you wonder why people like this. I think... Um, I don't know if you happen to catch the Digital Foundry um, video covering Metal Gear Solid 2. No, I've not watched that one. So Digital Foundry, basically, they um, they specialise in tech. So I think the biggest reason, the biggest thing that it does right, and the biggest thing that Metal Gear Solid 3 really improves upon is the gameplay, because it does come on leaps and bounds. Um, the only issue with the gameplay is that it doesn't give you enough chance to actually play around with it unless you go out of your way to do it. Mm. Um, but there's loads of new stuff here that you can do. I mean, things like uh, the cardboard boxes, placing the books down. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff to do. The gameplay in itself holds up really well. Yeah, exactly. You shoot extinguishers um, to expose lasers or to blind your enemy. Um, and then there's the things like all the bottles in the cabinets and the watermelon. So you've got a lot of um, destructible parts to the environment. The attention to detail is massive. Physics. Yeah, and I, I, this is why I think people love it because there's so much detail here, and you've got to, you've got to cast your mind back to two thousand one. You did not get games like this at that time, no. and and we were talking about um, GTA three coming out on the PS two. If you look at that game compared to this one, I mean, this game looks so much more advanced than that one. It's uh, pretty huge. Um, so I think that's why people really enjoy it. Um, so that's why I still enjoy it. I have played this game a lot like you. I remember one of the playthroughs that I had. And this this one I really enjoyed. I just ran through and I was getting all the dog tags. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun to do to work out how to get the dog tags, especially when... Uh, so basically, each guard has uh, dog tags on. And you can collect those dog tags. So what you have to do is you have to hold up the guard from behind. Then you have to move around to the front of them and get them to pass over the, the dog tags to you. But some of the situations that you're in, it's really hard to actually do. So I saw that as a bit of a challenge in itself. Mm. I had a lot of fun doing that. Well, the, I mean, with the with holding up, it kind of links into what I was just thinking about, which is you've got options in MGS2. So in MGS1... The, the combat, the AI, it was all very, not, not basic. Like one of the really impressive things about MGS1 was that if you ran through snow and a guard saw your footprints, he'd follow them. Or if you knocked on a wall and they heard, they'd go and investigate it, which wasn't really done at the time. And MGS2 adds to that. So they had specialist military um, groups come in to show the developers how a section of, um, or a faction of, a squad, sorry, would clear a room or how they would point their weapons. And, you know, instead of the the classic Bond thing of holding a pistol with two hands pointing up at the sky, um, soldiers wouldn't do that because they're just not trained to do that. They point down at the floor when they're moving. to do. Exactly. And they had people come in to teach them, you know, how, like I say, squads would clear rooms, etc., etc., and it adds a lot of choice into you with this game. So with MGS1, if you wanted to get past guards and you wanted to remove them from the situation, you'd have to kill them. 
that there was really no other way you could knock you could knock them out but they'd probably be unconscious for about 30 seconds and then they get back up so if you wanted to remove them from the situation you had to kill them with mgs2 they brought in the tranquilizer gun which if you didn't want to do a playthrough that was lethal you could go through the game putting guards to sleep you i don't think there's anyone that you have to kill in this game is there um not that i can think of oh no i don't think there oh is. no you suppose you have to you have to you have to kill solidus at the end because you're using a sword but you can use the hf blade so even when you're fighting him oh, he, yeah, he dies yeah. but um so that the the final boss of the game is the main bad guy solidus snake and you are fighting him on top of federal hall in the center of new york because which is really cool this game is ridiculous <laughs> but that's such a cool it's such a cool scene yeah the the final battle and um you get given this blade uh, probably about 30 minutes prior to that section and with it being a katana you can cut through people and kill them or you can turn it on to a section where it just knocks guards out so there's, there's no one that you have to kill in this game um during gameplay you know it's um it, it, it's open for you to make that decision and choose um, how you want to. Yeah, not not that it really has ball. any. Not that not that it really has any bearing on um, the result. You no. get a you MGS3 get a screen does, at the end, but not MGS two. Yeah, uh, you just get a screen at the end that says uh, amount killed, amount mm-hmm. uh, knocked out. Um, but the other thing is um, this: for the first time, bodies did not disappear here. So you had to get rid of bodies. Put them in lockers. Yeah. Now, I personally didn't find the need to ever really move a body. I don't know about you. No, but I think that's because we both know this game very well. So yeah. we know if we're going to get rid of someone, then you can probably leave them there if you're leaving the area quite quickly because we know how the AI works in this game. Um, but I think for someone that maybe hasn't played it before they would mess around with that mechanic a lot more. And I think the tranquilizer makes the gameplay a bit too easy. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory is also on this list. I'm looking forward to that one. when I think about it, I am too. I mean, I love love the Splinter Cell series. Back in 2000 and say 2004, I thought Splinter Cell didn't hold a candle to Metal Gear Solid. But I would say that Chaos Theory is going to chaos series hands down yeah it's really good um but i mean i I agree with you in terms of tranks being easy because i mean if you look at mgs3 if you start the game on easy mode you get given a tranquilizer gun that is called the easy gun the easy gun yeah 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 Yeah. so i think it's i think it's a general theme through video games these days if you're going to use a trank then you're kind of taking the easy route through do you know what i mean yeah in, in Metal Gear Solid 3, you can also, on the higher difficulties, you can get a Trank gun, but the la- the um, ammo is limited. And is it is this the game where you have a silencer, but it wears out if you use it too many times? Yes. Yeah, that's it, in MGS3. Not with the easy gun. Um, no. But with like the normal Trank. The normal M9. Yeah, that's right. Is it, would it be, I don't know if it's an M9, but um, yeah, so as in, in Metal Gear Solid 2, you've got a huge amount of ammo for the M9 and no um, no limit on the, the silencer on it. 
So you can just go around doing most of the game with that. Um, what did you think of the boss battles? I was going to ask you the same question, actually. Um, when I when I originally played through this game, however many times I did when I was younger, I never really thought too much of them. I think there are highlights and there are lowlights. But one of my favourite sections of the game was fighting the mass-produced Metal Gear Ray units. It's very repetitive and dependent on what difficulty mode you're playing on will define how many um, of these massive walking tanks you have to destroy. Um, I think the design of the boss battles was good. Like The very first boss battle you come up against on the plant section is... Raiden has to. Well, Raiden's stuck in a room with a character called Fortune, and the reason her name is Fortune is because bullets can't hit her. So if you were to shoot her, the bullets would ricochet off into a different direction. And you're trapped in this tiny room with her. She's got a huge railgun, but her life bar is so so small. And I think it's there as a tease to make you try and, you know, jump out and try and take her out, which I think is good design. Yeah, there are, it's a trick. There are battles in there that I'm not as keen on, like Vamp. Didn't really enjoy that. No, me neither. I don't really enjoy his character. Um, But I'd I'd say the highlight for me was the mass-produced rays. Um, Because what what difficulty setting did you play this on? So I played it on normal this time. I played it on higher than that in the past. So yeah, on normal, you have to defeat six of these um, Metal Gears, and it's usually two or three at a time. I thought... I'm pretty sure I defeated about nine before the, the cutscene went. Oh, really? You seem to go on forever this bit, yeah. I think normal is six, hard is nine, and then extreme or European extreme is 20. Yeah, I think they, they've they changed the difficulty settings on the Xbox version because there's no... I remember there were two easies on the older ones, then there yeah, was normal. Yeah, very easy and easy. Then there were the two hard, but now there's only easy, normal, and hard. Mm, okay. So I think they've um, they've altered the difficulties a bit. Well, they've altered a few things because I recognised at the start of the plant chapter when you're getting the instructions from Colonel, Colonel Campbell, um, I noticed a voice change um, because in this section it's a bit of a fourth wall break where they say, if you want to contact us, push the select button. Whereas on the Xbox, because this wasn't released on the Xbox One back in the day, um, the lines changed to push the back button. And that was a new piece of dialogue that I noticed in there, and the voice changed slightly. So it wouldn't surprise yeah, the me if the quality they'd... wasn't as good. No, and I think that they've probably changed quite a few things. If I noticed that one um, as well. So substance, substance came out on the Xbox, but obviously the original Xbox had the black and white buttons. Yeah, it did, and not a back button and or a start button. So um, that was the replacement for those. Actually, I think LB and RB replaced those. I think. Um, yeah, so I made a mistake just before this. This um, I've never had issues with this in the past, but I made a mistake just before this ray battle, where they give you the katana, yeah, and you've got all those um, Arsenal tengus, what, what, yeah, Arsenal tengus, they're like ninjas. Um, you're fighting them, uh, yeah. So they're they're like ninjas, and I started using the katana straight away, but because a lot of them have machine guns. They were just decimating me. So I, lo- I lost a couple of rations doing that. Were well, you not blocking? I only had two for this um, ray battle. Oh, I had the same. Uh, mm. Yeah. And uh, it took honestly, it took about... I killed about nine of these things. It seemed to go on forever. It was dri- driving me mad. And every now and again, they put a ration out. Yeah. And you had to run and get it. 
Um, but the trick with the the ray battle is to shoot them in the knee first and then shoot them in the head. It does more damage. Now, uh, yeah. Whereas at first, when I was first doing it, I was just going for the head because I'd never needed that trick before. Um, in the past, I felt like. Yeah. And also that they've got they've got the missiles. They fire their missiles one after the other. Then they've got some missiles that they fire at you, which I feel like are near impossible to dodge. Yeah, the ones so they fire directly at you are a lot harder to yeah. dodge than just the ones they fire up and down. Um, and you have to use the stinger, which make, puts you in auto-aim automatically, so you can't run around with it. I, I, the, speaking of the stinger, I quite like the Harrier fight as well. Yeah, that one's alright. That one was much better. But to me, it just it just seemed like the final couple of boss battles were, were just really clunky. Whereas everything before then was quite straightforward. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you've got the Olga fight during the tank section when you're playing a snake. And I think that one's quite good because it shows you a lot of the different um, things you can do with this game. So you're fighting outside on the tanker and she'll um, hit a lamp so that it faces directly at you. So you're somewhat blinded. Uh, and if you want to sort that out, you can just shoot the light out, which, you know, at the time was quite a cool thing to have then following Olga you've got the fortune fight which you can't win then it's um, the best named character in all gaming Fat Man <laughs> and then who have you got after Fat Man is it the Harrier yeah the Harrier then Vamp then the Rays there aren't many boss battles no there aren't I was just thinking that you've got the Rays and then you've got Solidus and then that's it yep not many. This game's short. Yeah. Well, uh, this is what I said. I mean, Metal Gear Solid 3, you've got countless boss battles. And yeah. some of them are some of the best in the series. We'll, we'll go into that when we talk about 3. But, and 1. Um, yeah. And 1's, I mean, what what I do when I play 1 now, as you know, is I play um, Twin, Twin Snakes. Snakes yeah. Which is uh, the GameCube version, which was the re-release where they basically uh, implemented all of the advances that Metal Gear Solid 2 had into uh, the one story. And I love the Twin Snakes. I know that a lot of people uh, have mixed feelings about how authentic it is, but I'll be playing that when I'm, when I'm playing Metal Gear Solid 1 this time around. Yeah, I've never played uh, um, Twin Snakes. Oh, it's it's really rare. Good. I mean, it's it, rare to find these days. They're expensive. It is. I mean, GameCube games, games generally are, are have always are expensive and nintendo 64 games yeah 100%. i mean nintendo games just keep their price yeah i agree so um what did you think of the um the revelation that you get towards the end of the game that uh raiden was a child soldier um <laughs> I, I i don't know i i've watched again from taking in different media for this game i've heard a few different opinions on this um this section and I think in the actual context of the game itself, it feels a little bit forced. So the the background of this for listeners who haven't played this game is that um, about three quarters of the way through the, the, tank, uh, the plant section, sorry, Raiden gets captured um, and he gets put onto a torture chair. And Solidus, who is the main bad guy of this game, reveals that he is Raiden's adopted father. Also to point out that Solidus is also... Solid Snake's brother and the ex-president of the United States of America. Um, it's outrageous. And uh, Solidus basically says, oh, do you not remember when, when you were a child soldier and you, you were really good at that and because you killed so many people, we called you Jack the Ripper? Do you, do you not remember that? <laughs> and it's just like, what? 
<laughs> why? But there's a very good argument for this, and I kind of agree with it. I was watching, oh, who was it? It was either on the YouTube channel Super Bunny Hop or Matthew Matosis, where they yeah, say I was watching that one. maybe the reference to this is because kids grew up playing Metal Gear Solid 1, so really we're the child soldiers because we grew up shooting people on video games. So I kind of get get it, but at the same time it's just a bit like, oh, do you remember, do you remember being Jack the Ripper? Do you remember killing all those people when you were a little boy? It's like, what? <laughs> but but also, Raiden is American. He was fighting as a child. What war was he fighting in? <laughs> like, that's it. Was it like the Gulf War? It can't have been. This is set in, This is meant to be set in 2007 and 8 or 8? 2009. He's meant to be... A, so he's meant to be... Um, well, so he's meant to be around 30, I'd say, maybe a bit younger. Yeah. So what war is it? it may maybe the Gulf War, but it's the, it's the only one as you far can as think I know. Of. There were no, there was no ch- child soldiers in the Gulf War. Well, I mean, the the the, M- the MGS um, world, I suppose, has got its own. Um, it's got its own kind of background, it's doesn't been it? Been on reality, yeah. So yeah. like, you've got wars that apparently took place somewhere called Zanzibar Land, which isn't Zanzibar; it's Zanzibar Land. Um, so maybe that there's another one as well isn't there yeah but I mean what was the other one MGS5 I remember MGS5 goes into child soldiers a bit more I think in a bit more of a mature way to some extent rubbish way a rubbish way but yeah like there's a bit more background to it like it's um, you know African kids in um, in Iraq and then in Africa itself in like the 1980s and 1984 and it makes a bit more sense but Right. Yeah, I just so so much of this game, it it just makes me scratch my head and just be like, why, why have you? Why? I just want to put this into context. What you said. Yeah. So you said that Solidus is a clone of Solid Snake. Yeah. Um, which means that they will look very similar. Uh, As well as Liquid Snake from the the first game. Yeah, but he was also the um, president. Of the United uh, United States, <laughs> the United States. So at no point, <laughs> at no point did um, Solid Snake turn on his TV. Oh, um, that guy looks a bit familiar. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Why is this man the president of the United <laughs> Snakes of America? <laughs> it's just ludicrous. Um, I think this the story of this game holds up the least well in many ways out of all of them. Yeah. But at least it has a story, unlike Metal Gear Solid Five. Well, quite right. I agree. <laughs> the, the, the cloning thing as well, we should probably just briefly explain that, just so it doesn't yes. sound as ridiculous as it is. Les enfants, Yes. Please. So the 1960s um, Metal Gear Solid Three, as we've discussed, is set in the Cold War, and you play a snake. However, he is not the snake from MGS 1 and 2. So, the naked, naked snake. snake. I can confirm that in the game he isn't naked at all and you don't see his snake. So, that's excellent. Um, but the thing... Wow. <laughs> you, you weren't expecting that, were you? In the United Snakes of America. Um, so, Naked Snake is the precursor for the big bad guy for the entire series um, called Big Boss. 
And in the 1970s, he basically allows the government to do a project on him because he's classed as the greatest soldier of all time. They do a project called Les Enfants Terribles, which translated, I think, is the Terrible Children. Um, yeah. And three clones are produced that survive. You've got Liquid Snake, who is the antagonist of MGS1. Solid Snake, who is the protagonist of MGS1, 2 and 4. And then you have Solidus Snake, who is the antagonist of MGS2, is the closest in likeness to Big Boss and is also the ex-president of the United Snakes of America. Um, (laughs) And was also based on uh, Sean Connery, did you know? What, Solidus? Oh yeah, I'm not even joking. Apparently, they said um, when they initially initially revealed Solidus, he was meant to uh, take off his mask or pull back his hood and a man looking exactly like Sean Connery. (laughs) 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 Like, I I know that this game series is really out there and it's really weird, but I mean, when I go back to edit this and when I go back and listen to this, I'll listen to my explanation of just the plant, uh, the, the, the tanker section of this game and like it's just so weird yeah like oh we're just talking about a game where the main bad guy used to be the president of america he's also got some tentacle (laughs) arms on his body that make him look like doc ock from spider-man and also he's cloned from someone from the 70s and also he adopted a child soldier called jack the ripper and he becomes a ninja that's made of robots. Like, he, yeah, I love this game series, but it's also, so weird. Uh, but can you can you also explain to me at the end? You have the long, 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 long rambling thing from um, Colonel Campbell, who is an AI um, working for the Patriots. Oh, not Let's not get onto the Patriots yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. Well, we'll talk about the Patriots at some point. Um, in the other games. So, but he, they, they say that you have to now kill Solid as Snake. Um, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Let's get back to this. Um, so, yeah, so you have to kill him. Yeah. Why is Solidus trying to kill you? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> because he said that he's trying to destroy the Patriots, get, get freedom back for everyone, destroy the Patriots, um, get rid of censorship. But why would he have to kill Raiden to do that? Uh, can't he just jump off the roof and go and do nah, that? He's child soldier. <laughs> can't can't be kept alive. I was playing and I was thinking, why why is he fighting? I think him? it's literally just because he's in the way. Maybe, like that. That's all I can think of. Yeah, but he's been talking on the codec for an hour. He can just walk past. Yeah, him. I know. That's another thing that doesn't hold up with these games. Like, is the codec call are the codec calls in real time, or does time just stop I for them? Can't be. Or I don't know. <laughs> there, there's so much about these games. I think if you ask too many questions about that. I think yeah. if you ask too many questions um, about all so, of in general, you'll just be left with a headache. It gets it gets worse than oh, this. Oh yeah, it does. Um, because the plot gets more convoluted. Um, okay, so all in all, 
final thoughts? I've played. I've put a lot of hours into this game throughout my life. It's part of my favourite gaming series ever. I wouldn't put it in this list. I don't think, and I think this is where we'll disagree. Uh, I don't think this game deserves to be in this list. It's good, and it was a massive step forward for the series, and there are a lot of interesting themes in there. A lot of really good additions to the gameplay, to the graphics, the music, which we didn't even mention, the music, which was composed by film composer Harry Harry Gregson Williams. Williams. Um, Again, just going to show that how much Kojima loves films. Um, But no, I, I wouldn't put this game in there. And I think objectively, I can understand why it is. But personally, no. I don't... I, no. Um, what about you? I'm going to counter that I you by would. saying... I mean, I'm not going to 100% counter it, but I just want to throw some ideas out there. Yeah. Um, this was the follow-up to Metal Gear Solid 1, which was a huge game. Yeah, massive. Uh, lots of people were waiting for this game. This game was absolutely massive. Um, they put a demo for this game in Zone of the Enders, and that game sold really well just because of the demo for this game. It was huge. Um, critics were raving about this, and I think it was really influential. I think the gameplay is great. Um, yes, it hasn't really aged very well, but at the same time, if, you, if you're talking about the gameplay itself, it still plays really well. It's not one of those games that the gameplay has aged badly. You can still pick this one up, have a good time with it. Um, if you think too much about the story, you're going to give yourself a headache. Massive headache. Uh, but, yeah. But I think I fully understand why it was there to begin with. In my own list, this may be the first game that does make it into my personal list. But if it did, it would be near the end and it would be it would run the risk of falling off. Unlike MGS3, which should be higher, but is running the risk of falling off. Yeah, which I mean, which is baffling in itself. The fact that five is better than Metal Gear Solid one, three, and four—it's just yeah. I think, well, I mean, we'll talk about MGS five in detail when we play it. But I think MGS five is the gameplay highlight of the series, but the story. Element. There's no story to MGS5 really. It's no. very bare bones and just not that great really. Um, to summarise how I feel about Metal Gear Solid 5 before I replay it, my biggest issue with it is that it's not a Metal Gear Solid game anymore. All that craziness, all that quirkiness. That's why we play Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, it's... I mean, MGS5 is split into two sections. You've got the first section was came out as a demo in 2014, I think it was, which was Ground Zeroes. And then you've got the full release of the game, which came out a couple of years after, which was the Phantom Pain. Ground Zeroes, I mean, you know, we, we've, we've discussed with MGS2 how ridiculous it is that a man that used to be the president of the United States is leading a terrorist group called Dead Cell to launch a massive tank thing that could launch missiles which also involves the current president of the united states who yeah. kills himself in the game yes so you go from that to mgs5 where you know it's taking on a lot more serious themes such as child soldiers about prison camps about torture about rape um about you know genital mutilation like 
MGS5 is heavy um, and to the point where I don't think it's particularly even handled that well. Whereas you look back to MGS2 and particularly 3, which are very quirky, which are very cheesy, and it's, it's just like it's it's a completely different world. But I think that was the way that Hideo Kojima was moving into because if you look at MGS5 and look at the comparisons to his most recent game, um, Death Stranding, you know, they're both quite dark games. And, you know, Kojima has made no excuses or, or lied about the fact that he wanted MGS, um, he wanted the MGS series to end after MGS 2. He just wanted to be done with it. Yeah. And Konami wouldn't let him. Um, which is why, you know, there are so many story elements of MGS 2 and f- moving forward that don't add up with everything else because it was never meant to be like that. He just meant for to release a couple of games, Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, Metal Gear Solid, and at a push MGS2, and that was supposed to be it. But because he was pushed to make more games, the story just becomes a lot more outlandish, a lot more crazy, and yeah. And then it gets to the point where he gets to a serious section with MGS5, and it just... It's weird. It's, in my opinion, it, it's um, it's a bit of a sad, not not a bit of a sad ending, but a bit of a shame that the MGS series ended where it did, with yeah. Hideo Kojima basically having to leave Konami because he was forced out because Konami are an awful company, um, and Konami still having well, the rights. Well, he might be, you he might be working with them again on um, Silent Hills if the rumours are true. Oh, really? Yeah, so um, Sony apparently, if the rumours are true, is funding a the continuation of the Silent Hills PT. game. Um, yeah, so uh, so the actual Silent Hills version, though, so the full game. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, with Norman Reedus and Kojima. Del Toro. I, I don't think he's involved from what I've heard. Oh, uh, really? Um, but they do have former Team Silence members involved, um, and they are the people that were responsible for the great Silent Hill games, including number two, which I adore. Well, if you if you kind of look at it, I mean, like we said, Kojima got forced out of Konami. Then Konami released another game called Metal Gear Survive, which I've not played because apparently it's no, I mean dreadful either. and it isn't Metal Gear. Um, but he then moved on to create something called PT, which um, is short for Playable Teaser, which arguably I think is one of the scariest video game things to have been released in the last few years um like it was creepy and then it turned out to be silent hill silent hills um and then it was cancelled kojima left konami and everything seemed awful for a while but that would be interesting to see if that does come to fruition yeah especially it's, it's a shame watch this space yeah it's a shame if um del toro isn't involved because him and kojima yeah are the ones that created pt um, and he's a fantastic director. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Del Toro, but yeah, he's just so creative. One one thing just before we end that I've also um, yep. not mentioned is um, as much as my distaste for MGS two, I have to admit that I love the um, the cover, the game cover, um, the the art style for all of the, the Metal Gear games, especially for one and two. Um, the art director Yoji Shinkawa. His um his character design, especially on the sketches that you see, 
just they're so cool and i love the the, the case for mgs2 i think it's a really really decent design um yeah but yeah that's i think that's all i've got to say i think uh i think the games have aged well as well i mean playing this it's still held up fine apart from raiden's hair yeah i'd say so which did not end but th- th- they made they made tweaks i mean which will become more apparent on mgs3 um but for mgs1 and mgs2 the overhead camera is a big thing with mgs3 um for the subsistence release sorry subsistence release and the hd collection release onwards they made it so you could control the camera yourself because the overhead didn't particularly work in the jungle setting as well um yeah but yeah i think they've aged all right i I think they still okay so let's let's wrap up here um it's been a long one Mm. if you've made it this far fair play then i hope you enjoyed it uh so when we're when we're handling bigger games like this we're probably gonna uh talk a bit longer about them so just um stick with us if you're enjoying it obviously uh, what we would encourage you to do is if you think someone else might enjoy this podcast, go ahead and share it. Um, just pass it to people that you think may like it. Anything you want to say? Not so much. The usual stuff, I suppose. Um, you know, I've, I've been saying the past few weeks, if you could give us a rating on iTunes, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, I've realised that iTunes isn't the place where you rate podcasts anymore. It's on Apple Podcasts, uh, which is a separate app to iTunes. We're on Spotify. If you want to give us a follow or, as Dan said, give us a share. All of our video, um, the video side of our podcast is on Dan's YouTube channel, The Subtext. Um, We're on social media, so we're on Twitter with our handle being at the long short of. Um, And yeah, me and Dan have already discussed the next few games. Do you want to reveal just the next game or the next few games? Yeah, so... um... Let's just let's just do the next one. All right. For now. Dan's choice. Yes, yeah, so this is my choice. We're gonna we're gonna entice your nostalgia here with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three, uh, which was requested by one of our listeners. Oh, really? Um, so we're looking forward to uh, doing that. I didn't know that. Hmm. Awesome. Yes. We're getting requests. Requested. Damn. Yes. So do request games if you want to see them because you can impact the order that we do the list. Absolutely. We're playing different versions of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 as well, aren't we? I'm on the PS1. Yeah. And you're on the GameCube. And they're yes. vastly different games. But yeah, I think that's all I've got to say. Anything else from you? Um, Just that we managed to get through the whole of Metal Gear Solid 2 without mentioning Emma. And that's fine. Let's not talk about let's, Emma, let's Emma and let's not talk about swimming mechanics. Ever. Yes. Ever. Yes. Even if there's a fire, we don't talk about that gosh yeah (laughs) but yeah thanks for thanks for listening and we'll see you next time yeah we'll talk to you in the next episode take it easy bye bye